thing, yeah, things work a lot better when they're plugged in. It's amazing how that happens. Hey, good morning. I know uh, a lot of people chose to stay home today, and, and that is fine. Uh, things are a little crazy out there right now, so uh, hope you're tuning in. Glad you're there. Um, man, over the past several weeks, we've just been walking through Advent like we do every time this time of year. And, you know, we talked about even last year just the, the fact that this story is already so amazing. It's already just insane to a degree in a godly manner that there's no reason for us to dress it up or do anything different. And so today, this is my goal. Like, I just want to tell the story. Like, I want to tell the story and then, you know, man, just ask a couple questions. Like, uh, mainly here's the question that I'm going to ask. Uh, because today we're, we're off schedule a little bit with Advent and we just kind of tailored it towards what we're doing. Today we're just talking about joy. Uh, just, just this idea of what joy really looks like. I think for us, most of the time, we have these, these conflicting definitions of what it looks like because most of the time we're going to relegate joy into the emotion category, yet there's times in Scripture where we're told to be joyful, have joy, uh, be people of joy, and so that just sounds a lot different than an emotion because, you know, it's, it's hard for someone to command us to be happy. That's not something you can command because emotions are based on circumstance and response to circumstance, so joy has to be a little bit different. Um, if you start looking at Merriam-Webster and a lot of people's definitions, they're still going to put it into an emotion category, yet they're going to say it's a bit more rare, that it's almost there's an implicit choice there to have this emotion, to choose to feel this way. Um, Rick Warren is not normally one of my go-to guys, but I think he's super wise and uh, he's done some great things. Uh, but here's his quote of what, how he defines joy. He says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. When I think about joy and the way that we define it, very often I'm, I'm kind of confronted with the way that we also define love. Like in a, from a biblical ethos, the way that we look at love, in, especially within marriage and even as it relates to God, love is far more than an emotion. It is a choosing on my part, a volitional partaking that I have to do to give preference to someone other than myself. In the confides of marriage, like my love for my wife, it's not an emotion because I look at her and I get butterflies every day. I, I do, for the most part, still get butterflies every day when I see her, um, even in the mornings. But, um, but like it is more important than that. It is my choosing to give preference to her over every other woman on this planet. And so when I'm looking at joy, uh, the way that it, it works out for us, like there's this, there's this implicit choice for me to choose uh, to understand that God has these things taken care of. That no matter what my circumstance may dictate, no matter where my emotions may go, no matter what the world has done to me on this particular time and place and point in history, I choose to believe that God has this under control. That is joy. Uh, today we're going to look at this passage uh, in Luke and just, um, man, we're just going to ask the question, if this is the type of joy that we're supposed to have, man, what do we do with it? Like, what do we do with this type of joy? Why are we commanded to have it? Why are we, we told that it's so important? Why are we told to be people of joy? And so what do we do with this joy? So if you have your Bibles, um, and we, we didn't toss it up on the screen today uh, because it is so familiar, but also we didn't toss it up because I want us just to listen to the story. Sometimes when we read, we're just, we can't engage all of, you know, just the, the listening sense. So I want us just to listen today. So Luke chapter 2 starting in verse 1. 
We're going to read the first seven verses, and then we'll read another large chunk. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So today, we celebrate the fact that Jesus came down. He left where he, was all, where he had always been for eternity, where he had been sung about, where he had been praised, where he rightfully was. He chose to leave and take on the form of us to walk among us, to live among us, to be tempted like us, to be pressured like us, yet to never succumb, to live a perfect life, and then to die in my place, to die in your place. And so here's the account of what happened after that. It says in the same region, verse 8, it says in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, and that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and singing, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, and as it had been told to them. And so the baby was born. We know the stories like, you know, the Matthew account is much more brief. It goes into the lineage. But Luke just kind of gives us this this play-by-play. If they go to the city of David, they go to Bethlehem, which there was nothing special about Bethlehem other than the people who came from it. Uh, There was David, and now there was Jesus. And, And so they go, and she's great with child. And Apparently, there's no room at the end. You know, we've seen the, we've seen the images. Here's a lot of times where we get caught up. We get caught up with, uh, was it uh, a stall? Was it a barn? Was it a cave? Was it somebody's living room? It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. The fact is, this is what matters. Jesus came. Jesus was born. And that's, that's amazing. Like, it's mind-boggling. And so, in this little bitty backwater town, to be honest, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, he made his entrance. And it would appear there was no grand, like, announcement. There was no fanfare. There was nothing other than the prophets who had been talking about it for the past 5,000 years. There was nothing there. And so then, in verse 8, we find, we find these shepherds. These shepherds who, by all account, they were nobody special. As a matter of fact, they were less than special. Like, we only have, like, the account of two good shepherds, pretty much, in, in the all of Scripture. There was David, who was awesome. Like, he killed lions and tigers and bears, oh my, with his bare hands. He was a good shepherd. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. But every shepherd in between, before and after, man, they were nobodies. As a matter of fact, they were less than nobodies. They were the people that you would not bring home to meet mama. Like, they were not good people. For the most part, they worked with sheep 
all the time. They were in fields all the time. They were not the people that you would want to be the heralds of the coming king. They just weren't those people. But in the middle of the night, in the dark of the night, uh, there were these shepherds watching their flock, and all of a sudden, like an angel just appears to them, shining in all of his brilliance, and, and the first thing he tells them is, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So understand what they were seeing, man, not normal, not every day, not mundane, very much the same way in which we see Mary and Elizabeth when the angels came to them and told them what was going to happen. They said the same thing, hey, 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 don't, don't be afraid, don't freak out, don't spill your coffee, just, just, just hold on. And so the angels, they appear to these shepherds, these unlikely, these, these dirty, probably malcontents, probably mouthy, probably just, just not the best people in society. And they just tell them a couple things. In verse 10, it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, or look, I bring you good news. Gospel, by the way. I bring you gospel. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. They say, just hold on. Don't be afraid. Look, I'm bringing you the best news, the gospel, and it's going to be a source of joy for all the people, all the people, in all places, at all times, at all points. It's not going to be a source of happiness. It's not going to be a source of smile. No, go back to that Rick Warren definition that joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details in my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. That is what they said he's going to bring. Man, I love that idea, that he's going to bring an understanding and an opportunity to choose to trust God over all our circumstances. Joy. Joy. I bring you the gospel, the good news of joy. Man, this is what we get to have because of Jesus. Like, it's not presents. They're great. It's not the trees. They're great. I love Christmas decorations. I love that we meet in a place, the Old Cigar Warehouse, that we don't have to put up any of these things. They do this for us. That's great. Like, Old Cigar, if y'all are listening to us, thank you for the garland and the lights and the trees that we move on Sundays. Thank you for that. But, like, I, I love all of that. But, man, the, the point of all of this celebration is that we get the opportunity to trust in God that everything's going to be okay. No matter what the world is doing outside, no matter what the world is doing here, we get the choice to choose God to be in control of my life, my outcome, my indwelling, joy, joy. And so we think of the, the Isaac Watts song, which we sang at the very beginning. Isaac Watts wrote Joy to the World. And as a matter of fact, he didn't even write it from Luke chapter 2, which is interesting. He wrote it from, based on Psalm 98, looking forward to Christ's ultimate return. But it's the same idea because the way he returns, to be honest, is going to be very different from the way that he came the first time. But still, same result, joy. Except it'll be a, a bit more dramatic, a bit grander. But he says, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. We can't have joy unless we understand that God's in control. King of kings. That's the reason these titles make so much of a difference. If we think, well, king of kings, Lord of lords, Emmanuel, God with us, all of these things. Like, joy has to be based on the understanding that God's got it. He has my past. He has my present. 
He has my future. He has it. A choosing to believe in these things brings joy. So he looks at them, he says, An angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, gospel of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with them an angel. Suddenly with the angel was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying or singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. And so they're just out in the middle of this field receiving a message from one angel and then all of a sudden like there's this, this heavenly chorus of heavenly hosts just singing. Like imagine just for a minute like we've talked about we need to be able to go back and try to put ourselves in their shoes. Like talking about Mary, you know, putting herself in a shoe just sitting in a bedroom and all of a sudden an angel appears and says, hey, you're going to have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And by the way, it's going to be miraculous. You didn't orchestrate it. It's not going to be normal, and he's going to bring hope and peace for all mankind. Like, that would be crazy. Imagine if you were shepherds. Every night, you see the same stars. You see the same sheep. You do the same thing over and over and over, but on this night, the sky explodes, and you see heaven opened up singing in your presence. Like, that would be a little freaky, just a little odd. We have to hear these stories and hear that this is not normal. Like from the way that Jesus came to the way that he was announced to the way that he lived to the way that he died to the way that he ascended, this is not normal. It does not happen. But God said that it would, and God made sure that it did. Joy. So what do we do with this? Like what, what do we do? Well, the first thing I think that we do is... Um, We need to see it and we need to experience it. We need to see it and we need to experience it. Like if we look at the the shepherds, because obviously what I want us to do, or maybe not obvious, but I'll tell you what I want us to do. I I want us to think like the shepherds, you know. Here's the good news. None of you are shepherds. None of you are at that place in society. Okay, so if God chooses to do this with them, there's great hope for every one of us. Okay, I mean, because shepherds literally, and I think that's the reason he appeared to who he appeared to, like the bottom of the barrel guys in society. That's who he appeared to. So everybody above that, hey, we have great hope. So he appeared to the shepherds, and I think the first thing that we need to understand that we need to do with joy is we need to be like the shepherds. We need to see it, and we need to experience it. We need to see it, and we need to experience it. Um, The neat thing about this passage is they told them what they would find. They told them where to find it. But I think something that we often hear that's not theirs, we hear them tell them to go and see it. But they didn't. They never told them to go to Bethlehem. They did not give them implicit instruction. They said, no, I bring you gospel, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is how you'll know it when you see it. But they never once gave them a command or a directive to go. Guess what the, the shepherds did? The shepherds, in verse 15, it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Here's the thing that we have to understand about seeing it and experiencing it. God lays out the invitation. God says, this is what I will offer you. This is what I can do for you. But guess what? And I'm not putting salvation on us. I'm not saying that we earn it, that we make it happen. It will always be a work that starts with God, that ends with God. But there's a God responsibility and a man responsibility. God says, this is what you can find. This is what I offer. This is what I am going to give to you by grace through faith. But guess what? Their feet still had to walk to Bethlehem to see it and experience it. 
For us, as people that want to see and experience the good news, the gospel that Jesus is ushering in, and only Jesus, when it's offered to us, when it's pitched in front of us, our feet still have to walk towards it. We still have to make the step. What we would call that is repentance. Now, the shepherds, they weren't repenting of anything physically necessarily, but they had to go to Bethlehem to see and experience everything that they had been told about with us, the same good news, the same gospel that is pitched out to us, that is presented to us, that is laid before us in the form of the Holy Spirit convicting us and pointing us towards Jesus. There's still in us something that we have to do. Not that we save ourselves, not that we're saved by works, but God starts it, God finishes it, but in the middle, we have to go towards it happens in the form of turning from sin, turning towards Jesus, choosing Jesus over our sin. And I truly believe not to maintain salvation, but to live in it, we have to do that every day. To see it and experience it. Man, think about what the the shepherds were told here. They were just told, I bring you good news, gospel news of great joy that will be for all people. That is the same way that the gospel is laid out in front of us. I bring you gospel news, good news that is for your joy, your ability to choose and trust in God no matter the circumstances. For us, we abandon sin, choose Jesus in favor, choose Jesus instead. There's our steps. But I love the fact that they were not told to go, but after they heard what was there, what they could see. They said, we need to go. We must go. Let us go. And I bet there was urgency there. I can't be sure, but I bet there was urgency. Like, after seeing what they saw, they had, I mean, I'm sure they just didn't stand there and be like, mm, that was okay. I mean, imagine, like, we want to take our kids to see Trans-Siberian Orchestra, like, outdoors with the laser light show and everything. Like, imagine, like, if you had never seen any technology, and then all of a sudden that happened. You know, you heard the electric guitar, you know, that, that speaks to me. Maybe it doesn't speak to you, but man, Christmas carols with an electric guitar, that, that speaks to me because I'm a child of the 80s and every song should have a guitar solo, every single one. Talked about it last week. And so that's what I imagine the heavenly courses to be like, you know. So imagine you're just, you've never seen technology and all of a sudden Trans-Siberian Orchestra happens in your pasture, the laser lights and everything. Yeah, you would want to see what they're talking about. You would want to see it. You wouldn't go back and be like, mm, the sheep are more interesting. Man, when we hear the gospel, the good news, there should be something in us that says, I want to see that, I want to experience that, to the point to where it pushes us, compels us, pulls us to go after it. The second thing that I think that we see with, with the shepherds and that we need to do, what do we do with this joy, says that, and they went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told them concerning the child. I think the second thing that we do with this joy that Jesus and only Jesus brings, after we see it, we experience, the second thing that I think we must do is we share it. We share it. Like, imagine what they saw. How could they, one, not pursue it, but two, not talk about it? Like, if this is the good news, the ultimate good news that Jesus and only Jesus brings, like, how is it that in me, if it's so good and so amazing, how is it that I cannot talk about it? How is it that I cannot share it? Good news of great joy for all the people. I get to see it. I get to experience it. I get to share it. They went and they found them and they saw that it was just as they had been told that it would. And the very first thing is they're like, we got to tell you what we just saw and what we heard. And I'm sure that Mary's just sitting there kind of nodding, like, yep, it's all true. 
Joseph was, I don't know what Joseph, yeah, I'm a dad. I have no idea. But I mean, just if we see it, we experience it. We have to share it. If we have this joy, this, this unspeakable, this unquenchable peace that rests because we're trusting God with all the details, how can we not speak about that? How can we not speak about something that's better than happiness, that's, that's better than just circumstantial emotion, but an eternal perspective on the fact that God's in control of my life and He can be in control of your life? How can we not tell our kids? How can we not tell our spouses? How can we not tell our coworkers? How can we not tell our neighbors? How can we not speak of this great joy? They weren't tell, told to go and tell either. Most of the time we think it's, it's go and tell that they were told to do that. They weren't. They were just told what they could find. And they went, they saw it, they experienced it, and they had to talk about it. They had to talk about it. Man, if we've experienced this joy, if we've seen it, if we've lived in it, it's going to come out. It needs to come out because other people need to have it too. Other people need to have it too. And here's the third thing. And all who heard it wondered or were in awe or were marveled at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So after we see it, after we experience it, after we share it, and we don't just share it once but we share it continually, I think we need to celebrate it. Like I think we have to celebrate it. And man, the funny thing is, the way that we celebrate it is that we see it and experience it and that we share it. Those are primary ways of celebrating it, that we talk about it. But I think there's more, too, because this idea of celebrating it for us, like in our modern context, I think it also includes this, like being together. And that's the reason that Christmas is so special. Christmas is not the only time that we talk about this and that we dwell on it, but it is this special time set aside for us to celebrate the fact that Jesus came down and was born like baby Cooper right there. Like, a, like that, just like that. It's the only baby we got in the room. Just left it all to put on skin, to be ridiculed, to stoop. Like imagine, like the humbling of Jesus wasn't him just taking on an attitude, but literally it would have been like him walking through life stooping for 30 some odd years, crawling around instead of ever allowing himself to be upright. And he chose to do it for you, for me, so that we could see and experience this joy, this gospel, this good news, best news. We see it, we experience it, we share it, we talk about it, and man, we must celebrate it. We must celebrate. This time of year is just, it's tailor-made for us to say, this is amazing. What can we do so that the world sees that we have this joy, that we've experienced this joy? What do we do? Man, it's Christmas. Christmas is an easy one. You know, I think we, we can. Like, I, I'm not a bah humbug guy. I'm not, I'm not going to bash Christmas. Like, I love Christmas, but I also love the fact that during Christmas, I have free reign to tell people why, why we have joy. What is it? And I get to celebrate through doing that. We get to celebrate through giving gifts. We get to celebrate through receiving gifts. We get to celebrate by decorating. We get to do all this kind of stuff. We get to celebrate. We need to do it well together. So that in this time of year, man, I, I truly believe that if we're doing it right and we're doing it well, it will propel the gospel for the next 365 days to come. 
Like seriously, not the amount that we spend, not the, the audacity of our wrapping paper and how many bows, not that, but just the fact that if we celebrate well, man, the world can see. The world can see, and it will propel the pushing of the gospel for the next year until we get to do it again. Now, we do this every day. Like, we should. We should perpetually be in praise and in celebration of the fact that Jesus left where he was and came, and he lived among us, dwelled among us, died for us in our place, and rose because we couldn't. Like, yes, we celebrate that, but this time of year, it's just, man, it's ready and ripe. It's ready and ripe. The same way in which we look back and realize that Jesus came at the perfect time in history where roads were there, where language was there, where there were unifying cultures there. Man, every time of year, it's like it is ripe for the gospel to be shared through the way that we speak, through the way that we live, through the way that we're generous, through the way that we celebrate. Man, and the other way in which we celebrate, it could be as simple as the way that Mary did it too. Like, I love this passage. There are a couple things, like we talked about a few weeks ago, two of the things that stick out to me is when Mary just said, look, I am the servant of the Most High. It will be as you said. Like, I love that. It, I mean, it hits me good. But then this one right here where it just says, um, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in our heart. The other way that we celebrate is sometimes we just sit down and we think. Like, just sit down and just think about the craziness of it all, the insanity of it all, the grace that rests in it all. She just sat and she just, man, it says that she stored them, treasured them in her heart and pondered on them. It's, it's, like, a, it's like savoring a good meal, except over and over and over. Mm. I think sometimes we, we may realize joy, we may live in our joy, but I think far too often we just kind of, we privatize it and we keep it to ourselves. It's not what joy is for. Like joy from the very beginning, from its inception, was meant to be shared. From its very inception was meant to be shared. If we're keeping our joy to ourselves. Man, I don't think we understand it. I don't think we understand it. So, here's the challenge. Number one, <laughs> be joyful people. <laughs> I mean, like really, be joyful people. And I'm not saying walk around with a fake air, but think about what Jesus has offered, what we get to live in, what we get to experience, and be joyful people. Be those people, kind of like Rick Warren is talking about, of just um, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. No matter how many tires blow out in a day, be joyful. No matter if you get the promotion or not, be joyful. No, no matter um, what we lose and what we gain, be joyful. Because in the grand scheme of things, it's all under God's purvey. He has it. We trust Him for that. Be joyful. Live in it. Experience it. In this season, man, and, and every day, but especially this season, as we walk towards, man, just the day of celebration that Christ came, 
Um, man, celebrate well, celebrate well and share well. Figure out what it looks like to celebrate well, share well. If you have families, like when you have kids, like figure out ways to create traditions that show that you're willing to celebrate it with your kids. Even if you don't have kids, like even in your personal like celebration of Christmas, put in routine and put in habits for Christmas that show that, man, you understand what it means, you understand the weight of it, you want to celebrate it well, and you want to share it. Figure out what that looks like. Every family is different. For us, like the Advent tree that we do, man, for us, that's a good one because each night we get to read a story that's pointing us towards Jesus, that's pointing us towards the weight of it, and the kids get to hang a little ornament on the tree. Thank you for my wife that found that a couple years ago, and we get to do it every year. And then before everything is opened and chaos ensues on Christmas morning, we have, a, we have a little book that we open first, and we read that. And it's just why we celebrate Christmas. And it's simple. And I know at some point, my kids are probably going to outgrow it, and we're going to need a heavier book that has more pages in it. But right now, man, it's good. It's good. Just find ways. Man, be joyful people. Celebrate well. Share well. And put patterns in place to make sure you can do it every year. Good. Like G-U-D, good. And at the end of the day, we just have to acknowledge that, man, Jesus came, Jesus was born, and it's all amazing. It's all amazing. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for a story that is more than a story, but it's the good news on display. It's the gospel, God. It's It's more than we could earn. It's more than we could imagine. It's more than we could engineer. And God, it should bring great joy, big joy, evident joy, joy that changes us, joy that continues to remind us that that you're in control. And, And God, in some crazy way, you allow us the option to trust in you, to trust in you for our past, our present, and our eternity. God, thank you for the peace of joy. Thank you for the assurance of joy. And God, thank you for Jesus who sealed it. God, as we continue over the next several days just marching towards Christmas Day, um, God, I pray that we could remember it. I pray that we could share it. I pray that we could celebrate it well. And God, I pray that you would be glorified in it all. Thank you, God, for so much. We love you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.